I thought we played well enough to win, but did just enough to lose. That's what I'm saying. We played well enough to win the game, but we do it just enough to lose, right? Like second goal, third goal. Those are gifts. You can't give gifts to the goalies playing the way he is on the other end. Uh, goals are so, so hard to come by. You, you battle your way back to tie the game. You can't, you can't do that. I want to win games. Do you think the rest played into the Both teams are doing the same thing. Morning Show, Sports at 590, the van, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Welcome back, Pierre Engvall. Toronto good morning, Maple Pierre Engvall. Uh, good morning to Pierre Engvall. He's probably he's probably out of the city now, but uh, he got out with a victory. And he was the, uh, the reason why the Islanders picked up their first win of the second half. 3-2 over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, his first goal since January 2nd, just over two minutes ago. Uh, Maple Leafs with a furious attempt to score yet another six-on-five goal, but mm. uh, was not to be. Good morning to you, Brent. Yeah, good morning to you. I was. Uh, I wanted that for you. You know, I always want all Leaf goals for me, mm. but that was yours. Like the Leafs regular season magic. I feel like we haven't had too much of that pixie dust as of late. So it's tougher to come by. Needed it. I uh, thought they were going to get it. Quite, quite honestly, last night. I mean. They basically do with with the light power play goal in the first place, and then they give it up in the in the you know waning moments there. Frustrating, frustrating, frustrating night. I think Sheldon Keefe kind of kind of hit on the point perfectly there. Uh, he's not going to make any more excuses for these guys. You could have done the well, you know, they just had one All Star. We had four. no, 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 no excuses. Can't let that game get away. Should have won it. Yeah, you should have. I didn't say they. I, I wouldn't say that they played exceptionally poorly. No, I, I I thought they played relatively well. And it's Agreed. it's it's so easy to talk about goaltending costing you when it's like, oh, Ilya Samsonov allowing two or three horrible goals in Columbus mm-hmm. in a game you lose in overtime. And I wouldn't say that goaltending lost you the game yesterday, but goaltending won the Islanders the game. That's the difference to me in that game. And 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 Samsonov made some great saves. I will say. If 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 you're Mister like evaluating goaltending early on, I think Samsonov was weirdly. I mean, he he got some breaks in that game. I mean, also Sorokin had three posts hit behind him on one shot by Austin Matthews. So it's, if we're gonna talk about luck, let's let's uh, maybe talk about that as well. But I didn't. Like if if uh, if my untrained goalie eye is given any credit here, I would say that yeah, Samsonov. You know, he 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 stopped some pucks, which is the job. He didn't stop. Enough. He needed one more save, but it, it did look like he was looking behind him a little bit. A couple gonna... of ringing off posts, a couple of going past him. One that he just barely saved standing up, looking like a 1960s goaltender. <laughs> I'm going to read you a text I sent at 7.15 p.m. last night. I don't know that the Islanders had registered a shot on goal at this point in time yet. Mm-hmm. Unfair, but don't love the way Sammy's head yeah. is snapping around early. Right. Please prove, prove me wrong, Sammy. And I don't know that he, like, I don't know that I was proven right. Because to your point, this isn't a case of Samsonov costing the Leafs the game. No, Timothy Lilligren did that with his peewee mistake. Or, you know, whoever you want to point the finger at on the Engvall goal there. That is what cost in the game. It wasn't a poor performance by Samsonov. But I saw, you know, I I don't know that I'm any good at it. But I do like to sit there early on in a start with the, these Leafs goalies and go, all right. What do we got today? Mm-hmm. And I saw the exact same things early on you, you were seeing there, Ben. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't great. And, yeah, I, I mean, Elias Sorokin's one of the best in the NHL. And, you know, he's got a reputation for a reason. 
Uh, Patrick Waugh makes his return to Toronto. He's the head coach of, of the Islanders. And certainly, they, they felt like they had a lot of juice. They just kept bouncing back. after The Leafs kept scoring goals. Yep. They were scoring goals immediately thereafter. Pierre Engvall, the much-deserved video tribute. A lot of words going to be spilt on that today. It, I mean, video. Tri- the longest neck in team history. <laughs> video. Tri- we call him the horse, but it should be the giraffe. Pierre I mean, Engvall. The, yeah, I call him the giraffe. In fact, I tweeted out uh, a, a gif of the giraffe after he scored. But um, it's a, a video. Tri- there was no video that I saw. It was just, like his like, name. Just- so, so it's like the graphic <laughs> for us. It's like it's not pictures of us on the show. It's just. Brent and Ben. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's what we got we, every day that there's a social media content yeah. put out for us. It's we These get a guys. video N- tribute. That's right. Yes, we do. We- uh, I mean, yeah, the Leafs are who they are with it. I think that you're. Uh, it's like Pierre Engvall is the perfect guy to put a word up for him. It's like, does he deserve a video tribute? No. But could you say a kind word about him? Mm. Yeah, you could do that. You could say a kind word about Pierre Engvall. You know, I was thinking a lot about, you know, obviously him scoring the goal last night, but, and I think the, the reason I didn't even bother texting you about it as a topic for the show is because I think the answer is none of them, but of all these bottom 60, mid, middle 60 guys, the least have lost over the years, you know, like your even your Connor Browns going back. Uh, it's like Andreas Janssen. Andre- I thought that guy was going to come back to haunt them. Have any of them? None. They let Kasperi Kapanen, like Janssen, they're out of the league. They got a 15th overall pick for Kasperi Kapanen. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And... None of them. Like Zach Hyman, yes. I don't think anybody, even when he left, even mm-hmm. the biggest Hyman detractors didn't look at him as a, a bottom six guy. Like you understood what he was becoming. I don't think any, I don't think everybody saw that this was going to happen. But that's the remarkable thing about the, think of all the conversations we've had about, to your point, your, your Kapanen's, your Janssen's, you know, all of these, your Pierre Engvall types, your Connor Brown, your Alex Kerfoot's, all of these guys that have just filtered in and around that middle six, bottom six of the lineup, and you haven't missed a soul. It's it's now you haven't found the bodies there that have made a no. difference. But that's the thing I was thinking about with Engvall is that normally a guy like that you'd see, and you know, part of it is that we live the experiences that you go, okay, I don't need to do this again. But you say, mm, he's big, he's fast. I know he doesn't hit, but I in my head I can close my eyes and picture the one body check he lays a year. And you would think that that'd be a guy you'd be dying to have, especially with the Leafs, with the kind of, I mean, look at that mash unit of a fourth line they had last night of McMahon, Holmberg, and Reeves. Mm-hmm. Normally, you'd be killing for a body like that. But even watching that last night, I wasn't sitting there going, oh, God, you, you wish Engvall was back. No, no, you don't. And, I mean, we should put the proper spin on the ball. He's a seventh-round pick, right? That he made yeah. the NHL is an incredible achievement. Totally. Uh, and the abs are ridiculous. Him on the kayak oh. with his girlfriend. It's a is, weapon. He's oh, my Big goodness. hunky dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, well done. Pierre Engvall carving out any type of NHL career. but And he is carved out of granite, as you mentioned. Yeah. He is a forgettable Toronto Maple Leaf. But it's I think it's actually an underrated point that, you know, we, we talk about how top heavy this team has been throughout the the course of this Austin Matthews, uh, Mitch Marner era. Mm And okay. They haven't really found anybody in free agency. They haven't found anybody internally. There's just been, there's been no guy that's like, Oh, well they didn't maximize him while he was here. There's nobody that's departed. And you You said that, Oh, if only that guy was back in, in a, in a bottom six role for this team, maybe there would be a little more depth of scoring. As we're having this conversation, the one guy 
popped into my mind. I actually haven't looked at his numbers as of late. I know he's having a very nice start to the year, but he was an L.A. King, so it's possible he also stopped Trevor being Moore. Good. Trevor Moore. He's the one. But you look at that cap hit. There's mm-hmm. just no world where that was going to make sense on this team. He's at like $4 million. Yeah. He's a million and a half or a million below, below what Bertuzzi makes on this, fired, so. on this team. And, yeah, he's a coach killer, so who even who even wants that guy? And this must be said as well, got to give to get, right? Like he was involved in a pretty important trade mm-hmm. for, for the Maple Leafs. So, yeah, that is the one kind of guy that when I think you think of those kind of bottom six players, and, you know, maybe there's one or two people that are kind of slipping my mind right now, but it's remarkable all of the different different bodies that have filtered through there and really none of them biting the Leafs. No. Um, well, I should, I should clarify. They always bite the Leafs yeah, when, when they play, they them. play the Leafs. Yeah. yeah. Pierre Engvall is going to have his, you know, his whatever fifth goal in a eight goal campaign, his first goal in a month. Well, I was just going to say in a month, we can, we can definitively like, you know, scientists are very smart. Like they can look at a small thing and say, Oh, this is what it was created by or whatever. I can just look at the amount of games Pierre Engvall is going to play against the Leafs in his NHL life and kind of extrapolate that pretty close to what his career goal, goal total will be. Just like add the number of games mm-hmm. played, uh, against the Leafs versus whatever his goal total is now, and that's what's going to end up. As. That's a, you know, it's not a bad uh, way to formulate things. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs, so they, they still sit in a wild card spot, 58 points. They obviously give up a game in hand. Now only two games in hand on the Red Wings, only two games in hand on the Lightning, who are a point up on them. In the third spot in the Atlantic Division, they are four points up now on the Islanders, who are their closest pursuer in the Eastern Conference. That was a four-point night. Mm-hmm. Granted, four points and a couple of games in hand. It's not like right there for the Islanders, but, you know, uh, three points back of the Islanders are the Penguins who have actually two games in hand on the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is definitely, as John Gibbons used to say, nut-cutting time down the stretch for this Toronto Maple Leafs team. And that's a problem. I mean, you can look at it twofold. One, it's, hey, it's, Interesting that this team's going to be playing for the first time in this Austin Matthews era. Important games down the stretch. I mean, say for the first game, or first season where they made the playoffs in the final day of the season to get into that playoff round against the Washington Capitals. Since then, it's been pretty cut and dried for this team as far as making the playoffs mm-hmm. and usually who their first round opponent will be. But if you want to take the negative perspective, which I don't necessarily want to do. Normally but that's my job, but I actually won't be doing that here. Yeah, here's what I was thinking. Watching spry-looking John Tavares have a team-high six shots on goal and score in a second consecutive game, albeit on the power play, and it's been a dog's age since he scored 5-on-5. Five five. But whatever, he looked like the best version of himself. In an alternate reality in which the Maple Leafs were in the spot that they were in a season ago where the playoffs are all but wrapped up at this point in the season, and in fact your first-round opponent is all but wrapped up, is that not a guy that you would like to, you know, replicate what you got out of him yesterday by, okay, you're not going to give him another week off, but finding a spot to maybe give him a blow? I know it's the NHL. It's not done as often as they do it in the NBA, but certainly for a guy that has looked as anemic as he's has at points during mm-hmm. this fallow season. Wouldn't you like to have given him some extra days off? Now it's impossible to do because every day is life and death for this Leafs team. I disagree with the final part of that assessment. I, I look, I like, I know I the know. math says that they are where they are. I also just look at the hockey teams that are surrounding them. I look at the lightning and the games in hand. I'm like, I don't need to rehash it. You just Slept laid it in out. the season series by the Islanders. I will 
not be worried anytime soon or in my belief anytime this season about the Leafs playoff spot because of that I actually think you can do this you can pick your spots and give Tavares a night here or there I think it goes part and parcel with giving more responsibility to some of the players you need to get going we've talked about the Max Domi thing maybe bumping them up in the lineup what does that do obviously you're not comfortable with top six Max Domi you know as your second line center night in night out but if you have to give him more of a look in that role because you want to give Tavares a night off. I don't think it's the the end of the world if you want to go that route. I also think when we have these conversations with John Tavares, it's not lost on me. And, I, you know, I don't want to poo-poo the idea of the week off. It gave him some time. It gave him some fresh legs. Sure, I'm sure there's some element to that. When he plays slow teams, he looks good. Mm. And when he plays fast teams, he looks not so good. It's kind of as simple as that for me. I think if it would have been, I don't know, pick your team. Who's the fastest team in the league? The Devils, the Oilers, you know, the Avalanche, whoever you want as your barn burner team, that Tavares wouldn't have looked like that if you would have given him two weeks off. It's the player he is. It's who he is. And that, and I'm not saying that is, I'm probably, not, not to say I don't have my concerns, but I'm probably the least concerned about this of everybody who talks about this on a day-in, day-out basis. But it's not lost on me that every time it's a team that is a little more plotting, a little more deliberate in the way they go about things, you see that Tavares has this little extra jump, this little extra life. And I just think that that is, that is what you saw last night. It was a little bit, if I'm doing the which pie percentage, it's like 10, maybe, maybe 15% that he got the week off. I think it's 80, 90% that... It's just it's a slower team, and guess what? He he also like kind of always picks up points against the Isles as mm. well. It's just what he and does. And he does seem fired up to play this Islanders yeah. team. And then you know, like how often you see John Tavares in the middle of a scrum? And I, I get it's the end of the game, and he's disappointed, and, and blah 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 blah. But yeah, he was like initiating. Well, hold on, don't poo poo that it's the end of the game and he's disappointed. Good, yeah. be mad. You're losing the game. You just gave up a goal with two minutes left when you should be winning, or at yeah. the very least, get your loser point. So no, don't. Oh, it's the end of the game. No, good. It's the end of the game. You're losing. You're sp- yeah. That's when you're supposed to be mad. You can be mad a hundred other times if you want, but I'd wait. I actually would way rather that than mm, someone checked Robertson. Mm-hmm. Like do both. I want to be clear. In my perfect world, do both. Mm-hmm. But I'd way rather see John Tavares just spitting mad after his team throwing away a point that they should have had versus you know, oh, I'm gonna go be tough in the scrum because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I mentioned, the Islanders taking all three games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. A couple of times in overtime, this is the first one in regulation. But, yeah, could loom large at the end of the season. Yep. Not according to you. No, definitely not according no to you. No chance that the the team that just got, you know, two of its better defensemen back in the lineup yesterday with the, the new coach bump oh, and no. Patrick Wall. No, no, no. Don't take this to mean the Isles aren't going mm. on a run. I just don't think it will come at the Leafs' expense. Don't you dare lump me in as somebody who's a non-Isles believer. I've been referring to Patrick Waugh as the horror, as a monster at the end of the horror movie mm. ever since he got hired. So I think he's going to lead that team in. It just will not be the Leafs who follow to make room for a tap. Yeah, the Flyers have lost five straight going into the All-Star break. Oh, oh the team that the, the team that was playing completely above their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, them? Yeah, not not remotely surprised. Quick quick aside, did you see the did you see the Tortorella quote about it was like Jamie Drysdale in New York, one of the other defensemen? Yeah, going out to dinner. It's like, I heard they were talking hockey. It made me want to cry or something along those no, lines. I said he's going to wet his pants. Okay, jeez. I, yeah, I guess I did know that, and I was trying to like clean it up, and that's no, so much better. I mean, that's what he said. He's so excited. Yeah. I love Torts. He's just such a hockey guy. Speaking of uh, coach speak, um... 
Sheldon Keefe, hot seat discussions have been tabled for the moment. It's just one game. And like I said, I don't think the Leafs were outplayed significantly yesterday. They needed one more save. They needed one more uh, play to get behind one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Although, I mean, when you're going to play these one-goal games, you can't be making mistakes like they did at the end of a power play, uh, allowing Paul McClain's son, Kyle McClain, to score um, a John, beautiful goal. John McClain. Oh, sorry. Paul McClain, the walrus. Yes, right. Yeah, John McClain's that, he son. Have demons, he have demons everywhere. That's true. Uh, <laughs> Kyle McClain, I mean, what a goal to score for your first National Hockey League goal uh, coming out of the penalty box. But yeah, it was a blown coverage, and there's a reason why, you know, every peewee hockey goalie slams his stick at the end of the power play. That's that's You don't want that to happen. And the moment was not lost on Sheldon Keefe. Love at this point of the year. This is the National Hockey League. Like that's peewee stuff. It's nothing to do with the season or anything like that. You play on the power play in the National Hockey League. They should not get behind you coming out of the penalty box. Yeah, I mean it's fair. He turned into an NFL analyst there. This is the National mm-hmm. Hockey League. Do you know how angry a coach has to be to refer to it? And it's like just like much like when your parents are mad at you, were mad at you when you were younger. You're chastising your children. It's like. Mm-hmm. I love to throw my kid's middle name in there if he's really getting it. And that's what I felt about Sheldon Keefe there. It's like National Hockey League. That's how disgusted he was there. And good. Good on you. Like, call out the mistake. You don't like to see it. Yeah. yeah. It was Austin Matthews on the boards. And instead of getting it in deep, he uh-huh. got a little, little backhand into the middle of the ice and ends up uh, as a breakaway and uh-huh. ends up as the game winner. Yeah. It's, uh, again, not a game in which you get overwhelmed, but gotta have attention to detail i mean i seem to recall a couple of games in that second round series against the panthers where it wasn't oh they got overwhelmed no it was a series of mistakes over like a minute and a half two minute span that was it that cost them the hockey game can't have it happen in the postseason can't have it happen too often down the stretch if you do as you expect uh not want to have an anxiety riddled final couple of months of the regular season. Okay. Just, just maybe I'm just speaking for myself here. There's no world where I'm not having an anxiety riddled anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regarding the Leafs and their playoff chances, no, I, I really do think that this is, and again, this is not to bring up another one of our hobby horse points uh, from throughout our year, but this is much less. The Leafs are truly great and will prove themselves to be and cruise into a playoff spot easily. This is, I've seen those other teams play and it's a case of what's coming behind them is more than it's a case of the Leafs being, being truly great. But you're right. Like you can't, there is, I don't think it'll happen, but we will have this conversation mm-hmm. of that point you dropped. Like you'd hate to have that be the difference maker of, you know, wild card or home ice or whatever, whatever the case may be. So I really don't think it'll be, I really don't think it will be something that this team needs to worry about, but I think from Sheldon Keefe's perspective, it's not the end of the world that it appears it's something to worry about. Like if there is any complacency or, you know, the stuff that we talk about creeping in all the time in this team when, all right, they're home and cool. They know where they are in the playoffs. Again, I don't think they're going to be in tough to make it, but I do think the appearance of them being in tough maybe leads to some better habits or just straight up being easier to coach quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Do you know where they were at this point in the regular season a season ago? Because mm-hmm. I have the numbers. Give it to me. Okay, so at the conclusion of play on February 5th of last season, so the, the number of games played is not the same. They had played more by this point in the season last year. But on February 5th last year, Maple Leafs, as you will remember, were mm-hmm. second in the Atlantic. They were 13 points back of the Bruins for first 
But they were also 14 points clear of fourth, which at that point was held down by the Buffalo freaking Sabres. Such a weird year. So, yeah, they were not only just locked into a playoffs, but they were locked into, okay, maybe not second, but second or third. Like, it was going to be them, and it was going to be Tampa in the first round, and we knew it already. Like, we were talking about the All-Star break. It was over. And now they're, yeah, okay, they're tied with the Red Wings for the final Eastern Conference Wild card spot. It is. It's. We're gonna see something we haven't seen before, okay. and that's and that's this team until they perhaps get on the their longest roll of the season. Be playing every night, uh, looking at the standings, and perhaps their first round playoff opponent changing on a nightly basis. So of the let, let's play this game of the four teams directly beneath the Leafs in the standings: Red Wings, Isles, Penguins, Devils. Not which of them is like the scariest from a Leafs perspective, but mm-hmm. which of those do you think has the most legitimate or the, maybe the answer is none, has a legitimate shot to make noise in the playoffs? Any well, of them? I mean, god, you still got to give I think Sid the 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 credit for the one, the season he's having, and two, the potential yep. for when the lights get the brightest for him to yep. just continue to uh, raise his level of play. Also, they have a positive goal differential. Also, their power, like play, their power play has been brutal. Like, you want to look at the Leafs and, and the reason why they are where they are in the standings, and it's been largely goaltending, and it's been largely special teams, and you know, they scored in the power play yesterday. It looked like it was going to uh, allow them to escape with a point. And the Penguins largely have just... They've been brutal in the in the extra period, seven overtime losses uh, for them, and they have not scored on the power play the way they certainly would have expected, considering the star talent on that team. No, it's the Penguins for me. Yeah, the Penguins are they're they're lurking, and the goal differential does stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, you mentioned the Isles. You know, obviously, it's been a kind of tale of two seasons for them. They're at minus twenty-two. Penguins at plus twelve. Devils minus seven, and uh, yeah, the Red Wings at plus fifteen. So they're kind of in. in yeah, Jack Hughes looming return though. Well, that, that's where I was getting at is the Jack Hughes looming return plus what we talked with Frank about yesterday. The idea of goaltender market mm-hmm. heating up. Uh, the Devils team did the thing the Leafs needed a thousand years to do, which was break through with the series win last year. And I'm such a, well, <laughs> I don't know that I'm a believer in it, but I want to be a believer in it, that having success early on in your career can beget success very quickly following it up. And I think that if the Devils team gets somebody who can make a save, they're like the the, the truly scary team of of that group. Yeah, that they're... Close as they are, considering the goaltending they've gotten is unbelievable. Uh, but the Leafs, the Leafs will also pass the Lightning, and they'll finish in third in the Atlantic. Is I mean, kind of my opinion on this. Maybe. And I okay. One other thing: is it good if they don't have home ice? Oh, buddy, you see a home record there: eleven, ten, and two versus fourteen, five, and six on the road. Yeah, I was going to save this for later on, but it is—it's insane. They have the twenty-third best home record, as you mentioned: eleven, ten, and two. The third best <laughs> home record. At 14, 5, and 6, it's, uh, I guess, a smallish sample when you're only talking about a half a season, but it's getting longer. Yeah. And it does track with what happened in the postseason a year ago. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if there's anything you can do with it, but it has to tell you something. And I would think that the big brains that are, you know, in that Toronto Maple Leafs front office are working on exactly yeah. why it is. My gut reaction is there's twofold things. There's two things that are I happening. If I, I have two in my head, too. I wonder if they're the exact same. Okay, one is like, oh, that this team 
they get complacent at home, that it's it's too comfortable for them, or that they you know that they, they don't get geeked up enough, or that the opposition gets too geeked mm. up in in their mm-hmm. you know brief, uh, you know whatever the the couple of times they come to Toronto yep. if it's an Eastern Conference team, or the one time they come to Toronto if it's a Western Conference team. And the second thing I'm thinking is, eh, does Sheldon Keith get a little too cute at home with with last change? That was the one that jumped out to me is that does, and I don't, it's funny. I, I agree with exactly what you're saying, but where my, how my mind phrased it was, does he get too bogged down in the details and not just let his great players be great when you're on the road, you have no choice. It's just Mm -hmm. like, okay, Matthews Tavares, you're out there every other shift until something changes. Max Domi, stop looking at me. I'll put you out there when I'll put you out there and you know, fourth line, don't even look at me. I think it's just, he has no choice but to ride his horses. How many times we had the conversation at 23, 24, sometimes 25 minutes for the big boys on the road. And this is a much more kind of nebulous thing, more to the first point you were talking about is that like, you know, sorry, sorry to the Bay street crowd, but it's like you get your real leaf fans in the building on the road. You see it Mm -hmm. all the time. Go into, like, the whole Western Canada trip. It's a 50-50 split. You go to any Sunbelt team, it's going to be, you know, they'd be lucky if it's 50-50 in terms of home fans in the building there. So I think there's some element to that. And it's part and parcel with the idea of not feeling loose at home, but feeling tight. And, you know, maybe I make that way too much about one guy, but, like, we talked about Marner and wearing the expectations of all that, and I just think there's something about playing at home at Scotiabank and it's one thing when it's a Wednesday night, but it's another thing when it's a Saturday and it's game three of a series or whatever it may be. I just think you, you get a little tighter because it does feel bigger to have a home playoff game. It feels bigger to have a home playoff game, but it feels bigger to have a home playoff game in Toronto than it does to go play on the road in Carolina or take your pick. It is. I mean, there's no bigger example of how insane this home record is than Maybe it's only having two more home wins than the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> San Jose Sharks are 9-13 and 2 at home. Toronto Maple Leafs 11-10 and 2 at home. But the, yeah, the road record is is unbelievable. It's 14-5 and 6 and again go back to the well, both series last year in the postseason. Home ice advantage was not a thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Anything else from this game? Yes. Yes, I have been uh I have been hammering them all season long. Thought he was good last night. Give him some due. Uh, the new spry, probably 13 pounds lighter because uh, he got rid of that 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 salad of his, Tyler Bertuzzi. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked spry. I thought he was making some plays. And again, I talk about it. Like, I don't think you, you need it to be a slow build to the playoffs with this guy. I don't think you can just wake up and say, all right, I'm going to snap out of it and be the guy that, no, you got to just play your game and slowly build to that as the playoffs go along. So, you know, you get the goal out of Tavares. I know it was on the power play, but Bert, I thought he had a good game last night and he's going to be important for this team. I thought Ryan Reeves was great yesterday. Mm. Ryan Reeves now in the two games since he's returned to the lineup, yet to be a minus. Okay, he's even. And no, it's only played, what, 17 total minutes in the two games, one in Winnipeg and then yesterday against the Islanders, mm-hmm. five hits yesterday, yeah. took the penalty, yeah. get it, which was boarding uh, despite sure. the fact that, you know, I think the person sure. that gets boarded needs to go into the boards for it to be boarding. I mean, we, we should get Kerry Frazier on the line and ask him, but I think generally that is part of the rule is that you have to hit the boards for it to be boarding. I get it, it was like a hit from behind. Um, yeah, maybe a deserved penalty. Just boarding was a little bit head-scratching for me. But no, Ryan Reeves is doing the thing that 
if he had done this at the beginning of the mm -hmm. season, it would have been like, wow, that's too much to pay and too much term for a guy that plays that role. But that's at least that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that guy's doing his job. And no. it was just so bad at the beginning of the season. Every time he stepped on the ice, the puck was going into the back of the net. Like, he had offensive chances yesterday, too, it must be said, and then scored in the game in Winnipeg. But, no, Ryan Reeves is kind of changing the narrative for me. May I give you a Ryan Reeves with 60% expected goals yesterday? Sure. And to your point, like, he was just – he was in good spots. He wasn't getting trapped. That was the issue for him so often. He's not getting bit by the bad luck. I mean, if this – if this game would have happened before he had his injury, there's no doubt in my mind that they score on the the penalty that Reeves takes there. Like it's just the way his season has has gone. So I I agree with you. Like I liked what you saw out of him. And are we gonna are we gonna do the whole, like Wah Horvat thing? Do you want to save that for later? <laughs> we can do Wah Horvat. Well, no, I just like I must. If I'm gonna sit here and say I like Tyler Bertuzzi's game, I can't say that and not say I like the guy who did in fact punch somebody in the face. It's mm -hmm. like see him I, by one. Yeah, I know. I come to the mic every day and it's just like we all everyone in this business rushes to the mic and it's like, all right. I will not talk about Simone Benoit in the first three minutes of my show. Because he's like, he's the bright, shining light. Like, you have Matthew, you have Marner, all these guys are great. That's the guy you've been waiting for forever. He's just laying hits. He's taking fights when he, when he wants them, when he Third needs them. season for yeah. him. Yeah, awesome. It, it's just, it is impossible for me to say enough kind things about Simone Benoit. Yeah, and the Islanders took the instigator. Oh, I was shocked. I saw that, and I was like, no, they're not going to. No, they, they did. they did. They absolutely they did. did. Because the, the problem, as BXO pointed out earlier this year, is that the Leafs, which is very, um, you know, not what we think of them, they've been too eager to fight. And mm -hmm. that's why they haven't been drawing the instigators because they've just been like, all right, it's on, let's go. And good job by Benoit, I guess, slow slow playing things. <laughs> you know, real vet move <laughs> to not throw the first punch. Yeah, uh, good job by him. I don't know if we have the Patrick Waugh clip of uh, of him talking about uh, Bo Horvat taking that fight. But yeah, all right, here it is. Here's, here's Patrick Waugh. This is who he is. He's a leader on this team. I mean, leader, you know, always take care of your, their teammates. I mean, in life, you have a chance. You could be an eagle or duck. He was an eagle there. I don't know if I've heard that one before, like shade thrown towards ducks. Um, I am a, I, I'm a big duck guy. Like, I've got a, an affinity. I oh, used to go I, feed the ducks with my, with my father. It's like a thing I think of. So I was oh. like, hmm, don't be throwing shade at ducks. But guess what? Sorry, ducks would rather be an eagle. So I think you kind of. I mean, there's no, there's no debating that point. I think clearly, if you were given a choice of the two, although there is something I will talk about in the break with you that I, mm. I don't know if you know about ducks that okay. would would maybe lead you down the like I, I you know there's some aspects of ducks that I'd I'd like to be. I, I got to be honest. It's like they seem to live a pretty peaceful existence. Sure, there's that, around. but there's some yeah, there's a gonna, physical attribute that you, I will I will did, alert you to. Okay. in the break, did you? Like, you hadn't heard this idiom before either. I hadn't. It's like, I guess, ducks quack and complain while eagles soar above the clouds. It's mm. like the idea there of it all. Never. What To what that I would say is, when a French guy says it, mm -hmm. very cool. Like, yeah. Mm, wow, that's poetic. If I'm like, well, you can be a duck or an eagle. Mm. I don't think anyone's sitting there that's going, true. oh, God, what a poet. No. What a poet this guy is. Uh, listen, we've been staunch, not defenders of Sheldon Keefe, but like, yeah, the regular season record has been great. Yep. I, I think he's far from the problem with this team when it comes to the lack of success that they've had over the near decade that he's been here. But one thing he does need to work on is his idioms. Like, where, mm. where, where are his cliches? Like, well, I mean, he did step strongly with 
the National Hockey League and yeah. Pee Wee. I no, I feel like that. Like we got to give credit where Involving credit's due. Farm animals, though. That's yeah. No, like he needs to. There, he needs to do better. I agree. But that was a step in the right, mm. the right direction. Just calling. We honestly, okay. You know what? Actually, I don't feel like we've given this as proper credence. We have done weeks of content on this station about soft and purposeless. Mm-hmm. And he just said that was a peewee play mm-hmm. from his team. Like, is that not exactly what we've been, I guess, like, do we need to hear, like, that's a peewee play from Austin Matthews mm-hmm. or he needs to call out one of the big boys in that way? Like, is that not exactly what we've been asking for the whole time? And I think it's just there's been a slow build of it, him being, I don't think he's sat there going, oh, I can't wait till I can be as critical as I really want to be as I slowly build this message up. But I do feel like there's been a different Keith this year where he doesn't come out of the gate four games into the season and call his team soft and purposeless. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how removed from that peewee mistake is. I honestly don't. Mm-hmm. No, peewee mistake is pretty pointed. But like you said, he didn't put a name to it. We, put your name we, on it. We can go back and we can look at the replay and we can see Austin Matthews with the backhand off the wall into the middle of the ice. The results in a breakaway uh, at the other end of the ice yep. and say, well, that's Austin Matthews. And, and you know, how are you going to be critical of the guy that's still on pace for nearly 70 goals? God, he's it. the all-star MVP. Too. And he's the all-star MVP and was still the leader in individual expected goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs at five on five yesterday. But yeah. In a in a in a tight game, one play is going to cost you. It did yesterday, and uh, good for Pierre Engvall and his uh, perfectly sculpted God. body for scoring the game oh, winner and his return to Toronto. All right, nothing to be uh, positive about when it comes to the Raptors yesterday, as they got blasted, almost a franchise record in margin of defeat. Hey, also, they didn't do it. That's positive, I guess. Is it? We'll discuss. You're right. Yeah, actually, good point. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, uh, Roger Goodell doing his media availability at the Super Bowl on a Monday for only invited guests. What does that mean? Uh, That and more next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fatigue uh, is part of this league, and this is a league that there are no excuses. And nobody's asking you, uh, what did you do yesterday? You have a job to do today. And uh, our performance today was unacceptable, and uh, th- this is not the way we want to go about the business. Uh, we just did not do enough in any area tonight to, to be competitive team. We are, we are a team, and tonight it was a whole team that, 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 that failed from starters to bench uh, to, to guys at the end that came out to play in the fourth quarter. That's not it. That's not it. And uh, after playing a very competitive game yesterday uh, and went into two overtimes, this was very disappointing uh, the, the way we performed today. We, we, we don't look for excuses. That's not how we want to build. Uh, that, that's not how I'm built. Uh, and we, we just did not do the good enough job. Uh, tonight in that area. Fan morning show, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'd say 138 to 100. Raptors lose in New Orleans to the Pelicans. Their penultimate game before the trade deadline. They have a game against Charlotte tomorrow. Um, we'll see how many of these guys that are potential 
trade targets for other teams mm-hmm. play in that game. We saw Gary Trent Jr. leave the game yesterday with the back. I think that might have been a wake-up call for this front office. Like, okay, that's enough. Like, ah, put him on ice. Yeah, I think we maybe have seen the final games in Raptors uniforms for Gary Trent Jr., Chris Boucher, Dennis Schroeder, Bruce Brown, hardly knew ya. Anyways, the, they're not helping that much. No. Because <laughs> the Raptors lost by 38. God. So the franchise record is 46. I will say I, I was watching... This game during Leafs intermissions in the mm-hmm. first half, it was like it was double digits, but it was under 20 points. And I was like, ooh, Grady Dick having a fine little first mm-hmm. half. And then I was like, oh, okay. Well, once it started getting out of control, I, I put it on the back burner. But then I did watch the final couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm not proud of this, but I was rooting. Like, if you're going to lose, sure, do something memorable. I was rooting for the franchise record for margin of defeat. And there were there were moments there where it was it very much seemed possible. Unfortunately for them, only thirty eight points as they dropped to a woeful seventeen and thirty three. Do you want to know what I was rooting for at the What's end of that, that game? The clock, go clock, yeah, get to zero. Oh yeah, that's what I was like. Ooh, come on. No, normally I have a team I I'm rooting for, but in that game I was rooting for the clock. Um, we're rooting for losses now too. Like it seems that that's clear. Like they, it's. I don't have any more confusion about which way this okay. thing is supposed to go. That's good, because there's been a lot of it from both of us regarding this pick this year. Yeah, I guess this this is the way it's going to go with the, at, at the moment. They're, they're horrible. They're not about to get better. As I mentioned, mm-hmm. everything must go except for those top four guys, if you include Jakob Pertl in the mix, and I, I suppose you would. Masai is going to like send you a nice handwritten note that you did that for him. It's like, wow, core four with Yak? Yeah. Unless Way you, to go, Ben. Unless you can get in Here's trade. tickets to the Giants of Africa Gala next year. Unless you can get in trade what you gave up to get Yak and Pirtle. I think Yak and Pirtle is going to be on this team next season, perhaps for the next couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, Raptors now only two games back in the reverse standings of the Portland Trailblazers. So a, a <laughs> bottom five position <laughs> in the NBA standings uh, is very much uh, attainable. So we just heard from Darko Ryakovic, and I mean, what are you going to do? You got your wish, baby. Yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, if this is, it's not an ideal spot for any coach, but this is, he was brought in for a, a dual purpose, right? Like one, hey, if this team's good, we think you can do that, despite mm-hmm. the fact that this is your first kick of the can. But secondarily, if we stink, you're a guy that can develop these young players into good players, for when this team is good. Now, here's the problem with that. Well, one, we got to see them be good. Mm. But two, he's not going to be the guy around for them mm. to be good. Like, I'm just sorry, Darko. Like, the die is now cast because this thing is clearly not a quick turnaround. And especially if the Raptors still do not control their first-round pick next season and they need to be a bottom six team again in a better draft to turn that first-round pick into two seconds in... 26, yeah, they're going to be bad again next year. And Brett Brown, it was incredible that he did get to stick around ever so briefly mm-hmm. for the Sixers being relevant after being around for the process. But generally, is it's the case that yep. when you're around the bottom feeding times for a franchise Mark in, Jackson, a, Warriors. in, a, in yeah. a period of transition, you're not around to see the fruits of your labor. So I, I think for me... Brent, Darko Ryakovich, yeah, he's going to be the developmental guy. And, mm-hmm. and hey, if, if you want to put a little check mark in the, the wins box for Darko, you can look at Grady Dick since he's come back from the G League and re-entered 
the rotation and he's looked like a passable NBA player, hey, maybe that's as the result of some great developmental coaching by Darko Ryakovich. I think that's a, that's a stretch if you're going to give him credit for that just because, uh, you know, he hasn't, like, been on the team for most of the year. He's been hanging out in Mississauga with, with Raptors 905. I... I mostly agree with what you're going to say. I think the, or what you're saying there, I think the one threading of the needle and you mentioned the Brett Brown of it all. And I think that's kind of a interesting parallel is that what happens with that pick this year? Like if they're as bad as we think, and I know this draft stinks, but we've, we've seen this movie before where drafts stink and it's like, Oh, this guy, like let's say the Raptors get the fourth pick in the draft and they get a lotto ticket who, unlike most fourth picks in the draft, doesn't have to come in and be, you know, the savior. He just gets to be, he could be the fourth banana. Hey, Jakob Pertl's here. He could be fifth in line in terms of who gets a bite at the apple. All of a sudden, that can, like, if this lotto pick is a lotto pick of worth, it does change things. And I don't think that that's enough to make it so Darko has some 10-year run. Nobody does anymore. But I think that if they land on that pick and it is seen again as a developmental year, there's even less, you know, understanding of success coming next year. You have another young player in the oh, fold. Yeah. I think that no, that... he's not going to be fired like anytime soon, but yeah, the Raptors aren't going to be good anytime soon. Okay. Yeah, okay. Then I agree with what you're saying there. It's just like, I think that I don't think that this team is going to be want to move off of him no, no, no. relatively quickly, though. I think no, they're no, going to no. want to give that a lot of kicks at the can, sure. and he's going to have his, you know, hey, we dream for this. It's like he's going to have his Dwayne Casey moments and then bump his head against the wall. That's where I see this eventually running course, not too, too soon. But, yeah, I think I think what, you, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. There. Yeah, there's two things that could potentially happen. One is the nightmare scenario that, yeah, like the build is to nowhere. It's a staircase to nowhere. And I'm in not, which, in I'm which, not ruling. No, sure. No, no. How can, how can you? <laughs> no, because, right, you know, we did see the, the four guys that are part of this team's future play uh, the first time together two days ago. Mm-hmm. And they took a very good Thunder team to double overtime. But the, like the, the instances of that taking place since the trades have been few and far between. So that's that's one possibility that just it never bears fruit, this rebuild. Uh, and the second one is that it does start to bear fruit, but I'm telling you, it just it does not happen. And whether it's just like yeah. you look at that guy and you're like, oh, that's the face of failure. That's the face of the rebuild. Or by that time, the voices run stale anyways with with guys that have lost with that guy on their yeah. way up. He's just not going to be around for if this team gets good, he won't be around. And if they don't get good, he'll be gone as well. Like it's just it, it, to me, yeah. I just I look at a guy who is a placeholder. As you know, this season is kind of a placeholder for the the next generation of relevant Raptors teams. Yeah, I think I think that's very very true, and that's why they picked a guy that could, in their opinion, do both in mm. terms of win and develop. Uh, jury's out on both. So the Raptors, as I mentioned, seventeen and thirty three in the Tampa tank season, they were twenty seven and forty five. Mm. So they need to go eleven and twenty one down the stretch to get. I think past they can do the it. Twenty seven wins. In the Tampa tank season, remember that was that that whole season wasn't a tank season. I guess this whole season wasn't a tank season either. Um, they've only had fewer than thirty wins in an eighty-two game season. I mean, this would be the first time since they went twenty-two and sixty in uh, 10 eleven. 
Uh, anyways, seems like we're very much headed in that direction, and you can clearly root for this team to finish below the Portland Trailblazers in the reverse standings. Uh, God love you, Michael Grange. Make sure you're watching March Madness because we're going to need some opinions on those guys. Yes, we will. All right, uh, we'll talk to Peter King later on in the program. Uh, he had a very pointed remark in his most recent uh, Football Morning in America column on NBC Sports about NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell changing his general routine at the Super Bowl. Normally, the commissioner has a press conference on Friday, and everybody's invited. And it's a big story, right? It is the story of Super Bowl Friday. Not this year. This year, Roger Goodell, apparently at the last minute, decided to have this thing yesterday, on Monday. And he had it, like, in close proximity to the media availability of the Kansas City Chiefs. And secondarily to that, it was invite-only for media. Hiding. So pretty notable guys like Mike Florio not invited to the media availability of the commissioner of the National Football League. Brent, should I care about this? Do you care about this? Uh, I do, but I just, I loathe people in powerful, powerful positions hiding and not answering questions. I don't think I care about this as a football fan. This is like a world issue story to me. It's like, obviously, it's way less important than any of these other things, but I can't stand it. It's like, you're in charge. Get up there in front of a mic, in front of all of us, and answer our questions, please. I don't think the average football fan cares about this, especially if you're a Chiefs fan and you're just sitting here excited about the week or you're a 49ers fan. I don't think you care about this one iota, but this just irks me. I don't know how much it matters to most sports fans, but me specifically cannot stand it. Get up there, answer some pointed questions, please. Yeah, I think I think it's a fair take because I think you're right that the general sports fan maybe not even aware of that story honestly no I think most people are are finding out about it at 6:50 a.m right now yeah and we do live in a world where potentially the next president of the United States is openly talking about being a dictator so like yeah we're we're very accepting of this <laughs> this uh line of leadership right it, what's amazing to me is that it's taken this long to get to this place for Roger Goodell because of the things that you just said, that sports fans don't care. We care. Yeah. The media cares. But guess what happens? It's a one-day story, mm -hmm. if that. And even in the Peter King article, it's one of the final items on it. It's it's a lot of navel-gazing from us. That's Do the I, thing. And you're right to make the comparison to real-world issues. This is not a real-world issue. We're talking about a commissioner of a private entity, which is the NFL and he's the the face for 32 billionaire owners. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing that he does media at all, right? Like, there's he's under no obligation to do this at all. There's only negative, generally, that can come from it. He's the meat shield. Yep. But, yeah, what, what 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 is the upside for Roger Goodell? Yeah, the NFL's impenetrable. Like, no. he, it, it can't be torn down. So why even open up the possibility of negative press? Yeah, no, there's nothing to be gained other than the likes of, you know, Florio or Peter King, and not that those guys' opinion doesn't carry weight, but them going, oh, that's very nice of Roger Goodell to answer our, our questions. And the other part as well is that, you know, we talk about this, and, you know, this goes for all, all things of what do you think you're going to hear? You think Roger Goodell is going to get asked some super pointed question that he's not going to be able to jujitsu his way out of mm -hmm. if this is a one-on-one -on -one, if this is a if this is a one-on-one -on -one 
interview, and, you know, we should add that it was carried live on NFL Network, so it's not that people couldn't see, but obviously it's a far cry from there being, you know, reporters in attendance. But I just look at it as though, you know, this isn't a one-on-one interview that he's doing with some reporter who wants to get him. Like, you know, I saw Ron and Gary having their their annual chat at All-Star Week, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's fun. Like, we like that. But I think even hockey fans or, you know, bring it back to the story we're talking about football fans, they care more about that of, ooh, a one-on-one interview. This is more interesting. Roger Goodell standing at a podium taking questions? No, I. you're right. It's remarkable that he he does it, but it's also, it's the easiest thing in the world to do. You're Roger Goodell. You yeah. sit up there on a podium that's 35 feet tall, looking <laughs> like, you know, talk about a dictator. It's like, yeah, you look up there, like, talking down to the minions, and they get a follow-up, and then guess what? The mic gets snatched away. Like, it's not that complicated. So on one hand, I'm surprised we've waited this far, but on the other hand, What's he afraid of? No, he shouldn't be afraid of anything. And he's been through some pretty negative storylines since he's become commissioner. And all it's resulted in is in him getting a raise year over year over year. And if I'm one of the 32 owners, I'm like, yeah, deserved. Because mm-hmm. he is the face of not ineptitude. Because, again, like he's been at the helm of this incredible growing of wealth yep. for all 32 NFL owners. And you can argue but about anybody being in that position and being able to accomplish what he's accomplished, but he has physically yep. been there. So got to give him credit. Yep. Right. Just, I mean, just like the, the head coach on the great team that filled with talented totally. players, whatever you're there, yep. you physically did it. Whether you opened the doors or did more than that, you did whatever was needed. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the fake. Like if you have ire about the NFL entity as a whole, yeah. you don't generally take it out on individual NFL owners. He's he's the, the focal point of your vitriol. I think you nailed it there with that at the end, is that he wears the vitriol, but those guys still get to wear being famous. Mm-hmm. Like, when I close my eyes and think of the NFL, it's like, boom, Jerry Jones. Like, it just pops in my head because he is still, like, one of the faces of the league. Like, it's like when you think of league policy, I think of a guy like Robert Kraft or Jerry Jones before I think of Roger Goodell. So he has somehow walked the perfect line of letting those guys be as famous and as notable as they all are without having them really take any of the ire. It's it's a a remarkable job he's done. Yeah. Yeah, God, I feel disgusting having given that much praise to Roger Goodell for 20 minutes. That's the the It was only five, but it felt like 20. Yeah, and the the NFL is, I mean, I guess there's a saturation point at some point. You know, we're at 17 games, and now we're going to be watching football on Friday. Like, the the opening game of (laughs) next season will be on Thursday, and then the day following, there will be a game hosted by the Eagles in Brazil um, eventually, I guess we'll have Tuesday night football, Wednesday. Like, I, I don't see a, a stopping of the NFL behemoth. Um, and if there is a saturation point, we're not anywhere close to it. No, we're not. And just lastly on, on Goodell, I think that last point is an important one to bring up. That, yeah, somebody, eventually someone's going to cross the line and people are going to go, oh, my God, this is too much NFL. But he has crept along slowly. You don't think the owners, if they had their druthers, would just play seven days a week mm-hmm. and have, tell some nerd to figure out the schedule? Yeah, of you, course could, you probably could figure it out, of right? Of course that's what they would do. But I think part of it, and you know, I'm not going to pretend that he's necessarily be telling the owners what to do, but I think part of it is having the business acumen to say, okay, we want to slow play this thing. Like, we want to, okay, we expanded to Thursdays. Now mm-hmm. we're taking Saturdays after college. Like, let's see double Monday night or how do people feel about that? Mm-hmm. Slow play this thing before it's just boom, NFL everywhere. Uh, I speak- just sound like John Madden. Yeah. <laughs> boom. <laughs> Tough acting to acting. Um, when we come back, speaking of slow playing it, they're slow playing the return of Joseph Wall are the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
What does that mean about the future of the goaltending position? Uh, that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.